What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. The murders of Kenan Anderson in Los Angeles and Tyree Nichols in Memphis have renewed calls across the country to remove law enforcement from traffic stops, an issue that the organizations that both of my guests are with have been working on for years. We do have James Birch, Deputy Director for the Anti-Police Terror Project, an organization that seeks to eradicate state terror in black and brown communities. Good morning, James. Good morning, Kat. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining. James, I think context is critical. Talk about why removing law enforcement from traffic stops, uh, from traffic issues, period, is a critical next step in the movement to end state violence in communities of color. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks, Kat. Uh, Traffic stops are by far the most common encounters between police and civilians. Uh, On a typical day, police pull over more than 50,000 drivers, which totals over uh, 20 million drivers per year. Uh, and is that in the country or in the state? I'm sorry, just sorry, for that's clarity. In, that's in the country. Sorry, sorry, sorry okay. for the lack of clarity. Uh, and then also in the country, between 2017 and 2022, 7 to 10% of killings by police uh, began with a routine stop for a traffic violation. You know, further, in 400 of those cases, uh, the driver was not armed and was not under pursuit uh, for any acts of violence. Right. And so what we see as advocates and as folks... Uh, in this work is that traffic stops are the most uh, prolific manner through which law enforcement gain access to interactions with our population. Right, And as APTP, we know that the way to keep our people safe is to reduce encounters with law enforcement as much as possible. And since we know that traffic stops don't keep us safe and don't improve pedestrian safety, uh, it's imperative that we make this an issue that is studied, that is looked at, uh, so we can make critical changes to who is responsible for pedestrian safety. James, you use the term routine stops. Are these routine stops or are we talking about racial profiling? Oh, Kat, we're, we're, we're certainly talking uh, about racial profiling and there are uh, uh, research has consistently found that black and brown drivers are, are more likely to be stopped, searched, and subjected to force by police. Um, there's a 2019 stu- Sorry. No, you go ahead. The, right on. There's a 2019 study that found that black women are 17% more likely to be in a police-initiated traffic stop than white women. Uh, uh, black men are 12% more likely than white drivers to be stopped. Um, I, could, I could play this stat game, and, and I, have a, I, I have a 10 pages of stats on, on the dangers that black and brown folks face from police that are not faced by white folks. And so we could play this stat game all, all day, but, but most importantly to note is that a lot of the stats uh, are, are, are housed very close to us. There's studies at Stanford University over the last uh, decade that have shown consistently here in Oakland, right, that black drivers are disproportionately profiled, uh, uh, and, and, and as I said before, are stopped, searched, and subjected to force at disproportionate rates. James Birch, there's this weird narrative uh, that sometimes is regurgitated by uh, some civil rights attorneys that make their way onto the airwaves, not my show, but on the KPFA airwaves that say that this actually isn't a problem in Oakland anymore and thus something that we don't actually need to worry about. Uh, that's, uh, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I mean, you could, we could talk to the family of uh, Eric Salgado. Uh, who was murdered by Richard Henderson of the California Highway Patrol. In addition to the Oakland Police Department, the California Highway Patrol uh, is allowed to initiate and conduct uh, 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 what they call traffic safety, traffic enforcement in the city of Oakland. 
and because of that, Eric Salgado lost his life. Uh, and, and in addition, uh, I don't know if folks um, who are making those claims uh, live in D6 or D7, but if you live uh, off International and Havens Court in D6, you'll see the traffic cruisers pulling people over on what look like race-based stops every single day, right? So I really want to push back on this narrative that, that things are, are, are better or, or or, or, or improve for the most part. That seems to be like kind of like a, 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 a talking heads narrative because on the streets where we see things actually going down, um, we see folks getting pulled over uh, all the time for these instances. And, and James Rich, what about the argument that, well, this is, this is how we stop crime, right? These pretextual stops, that's how officers interrupt these horrible things that are happening on our streets. That's a, um, that is a, something that we typically hear. Uh, and there's, there's, uh, there's no proof bearing that out whatsoever. There are no studies. There's no evidence. It's just that's, that's what we like to call a good talking point, right? And so when the California Highway Patrol was called out on that talking point, right? I don't, think, I don't know if folks remember, but I believe it was in 2021, Libby said that, excuse me, former Mayor Libby Schaff said that she was going to bring the California Highway Patrol to Oakland to keep the streets safe, right? And to and reduce gang violence. And the California Highway Patrol put out a public statement the next morning saying, I'm sorry, the mayor of Oakland must be confused. What we do is enforce traffic regulations. We do not engage in public safety measures or, or, or stop gang violence, right? And that's from the CHPs on mouth, right? And so, so you know, folks who, who are in the, you know, who, who, who are responsible uh, uh, for the data uh, understand what claims they can and cannot make publicly, right? Uh, I, and, and we knew from eight years of Libby Schaff that that, that, that was not the same for her. One more point I want to make that, that we hear a lot when it comes to law enforcement is that uh, uh, traffic stops are, are, are dangerous for officers, right? And that, and that if we have civilian traffic enforcement that officers are going to, uh, then, 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 then people are going to uh, attack these officers. But, but in reality, the officer's chances, an officer's chances of being killed at any vehicle stop are less than 1.3, uh, are less than one in 3.6 million, excluding accidents. Right. So the chance of an officer being being attacked and killed is say, less than. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say there was a report that came out a few years ago that showed that actually it's more dangerous to be a garbage collector than a, than it is a police officer. Right. We have a we have a we have a list here at APTP that uh, maybe maybe we'll talk about publishing of, of all of the jobs that are that are safer than being a, 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 a being law enforcement. And I think folks think it's too pithy when we bring that up. But it's worth noting, you know, when officers are, are averaging, you know, the, 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 the lowest paid officers in, in, in the city of Oakland are averaging, you know, 180 or 190 um, before uh, the compensation or sorry, before benefits. You know, it's worth looking at all of the jobs that are more dangerous than law enforcement that get paid a third of that if, or, or less. James, one more point that I think is really important to make here, and I, I'm wondering if you can elaborate on the point that these stops, these traffic stops, are one of the primary ways that black and brown people find themselves entering the criminal legal system, and that once inside, right, even if it's just they didn't have their L straight that day, once inside that system, how difficult it is for folks of color, poor people, to make their way out of law enforcement's entanglement. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we know what traffic stops are really about, right? Traffic stops are really a, a, a mechanism, uh, again, to increase interactions between law enforcement and black and brown communities, but also as a fines and fees mechanism, right? Because uh, all of the 
what we like to call pretextual stops or the stops people are engaging in for bad registration or, or bad plates or missing brake light, right? They, they, you're pulled over uh, and you're giving a fine that you likely cannot afford to pay. Uh, and then you're forced to go to court to uh, pay that fine or, or suffer an administrative penalty, right? That could lead to you losing your license. That could lead to a criminal penalty, right? And so there are a lot of folks who are just trying to, trying to go about their day to day, right? Go to work, uh, uh, make rent, go home, put food on the table. Uh, and then they get jammed up by cops for a traffic infraction, can't afford the $400 ticket, end up losing their license, still drive to work because that's the only thing they can do, end up getting another ticket for driving without a license. And now they're really in a jam, right? And for what, right? What is the purpose? You know, what is the public safety goal? What are we doing for our society by investing in this scheme, right? We're just jamming up ordinary folks who are trying to make a living, right? And so I'm, 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 I'm excited that people are talking about police out of traffic now because we can start to call the question, right? Because if you start digging into all the things I'm talking about here, there's no there there, right? Police don't do anything for traffic. Public pedestrian safety is, is, is at, you know, at, at one of its worst rates since like the 1930s, right? Because we have stopped really focusing on what keeps pedestrians safe, right? And the thing that APT can tell you is it's not cops. James, what could this look like in practice, right? Where, where, what department could house it? Uh, we're talking about living wage jobs for civilians. How are civilians going to actually get people to pull over? And, and then I, I do, I, I'll hold it, but I want it to start churning in that brain of yours because one of the answers folks are saying is, well, we use cameras. And then, of course, we're talking about surveillance. That's right. And, and, and this is an issue that we, that we faced last year. There was a bill, AB 2336, that wanted to put automated speed enforcement cameras in the cities of Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, without consulting those communities, right? And we wrote a letter to uh, the Transportation Committee making clear all of the reasons why uh, automated speed enforcement cameras are not, uh, the data suggests that they're not a good practice, right? Uh, um, they're disproportionately placed in, in uh, marginalized neighborhoods. Those neighborhoods, the people who live in them, receive a disproportionate amount of the tickets. It doesn't affect folks who don't live in those neighborhoods. They continue to speed. Right, but the people who live in the most dangerous neighborhoods uh, uh, get the tickets and we, and we pretend that that's supposed to keep people safe. What we know is that the solution is a very expensive one, which is why city officials, county officials are reluctant to engage in a real conversation about traffic safety. Mm-hmm. What we need is uh, all of the, we need we need major intersections and major roadways redone and revamped for the modern era. Right? There is, there is an endless amount of data on the ways that you can design roadways to prevent people from achieving critical speeds and to prevent people from speeding through intersections in a way that makes it dangerous for pedestrians. There are also uh, uh, infrastructures that you can provide to make pedestrians safer as they just walk through their day and as they, as they travel to and through inter- uh, uh, intersections, right? You might not notice these things when you see them in, you know, in the suburbs or in rich cities, right? But they definitely do not exist in the city of Oakland. Right. Our intersections and our roadways get some of the worst scores, you know, in the state. Right. Uh, um, uh, and they did an equity study and the roadways in deep East Oakland, when compared to those in the hills, uh, we received a score of one out of 100 in our equitable pedestrian safety measures. Right. So all of this is to say we need massive amounts of money uh, brought in by the by the county and the state so we can uh, uh, engage in an intentional process of improving our roadways. 
That'll prevent people from uh, achieving dangerous speeds, and it'll keep pedestrians safe as they walk through uh, what are some of the most dangerous intersections in the city of Oklahoma. But, 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 but James Birch, wherever could we get those dollars? <laughs> you, man, if I, if, if, if we had, you know, uh, uh, you hear me, Kat. Uh, I, I, start <laughs> I know, but my listeners need to hear you. We spend, we spend on law enforcement. <laughs> Um, uh, and so, and so it's, it, it's, again, it's just easy solution versus hard solution. It's easy to get money for cops and explain why cops keep us safe. It's very hard to get $10 million for, uh, 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 infrastructure improvements and say that that's going to uh, improve pedestrian safety. It's not like a sensational topic. It doesn't achieve news headlines. And so it doesn't get the attention it deserves, uh, when it's really doing the job of keeping our folks safe. I want to talk about some of the efforts uh, happening on the local level. We did have Councilmember Marquise Harris-Dawson from Los Angeles on a few weeks ago. He's been trying to push this issue for three years in the city of Los Angeles, meeting obstacle after obstacle. Same thing, APTP has been talking about, the Anti-Police Terror Project has been talking about Cops out of traffic stops is one way we can do abolition now, one way we can um, civilianize some of these positions that don't require badges and guns. And there was actually, um, a, I guess we would call this a local victory. You, you correct me if that's not the right way to phrase it. But talk to us about what will now happen with abandoned cars rather than responding to removing them from the roadways. Not that that was actually happening uh, with badges and guns in the city of Oakland. Absolutely. And uh, I consider this a, a huge victory um, um, because it's at the core of what we mean when we say defund the police. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it, up until now, uh, 5,600 times per year, 5,600 times per year, right? More than 10 times per day, uh, officers are called to go out to a deal with abandoned autos. Right. Uh, and, and, and in 2021, Right after months of conversation as part of the reimagining public safety task force, uh, the city of Oakland uh, uh, came to a conclusion that they needed to explore how to transfer the duties of traffic enforcement from OPD to the Department of Transportation. Right, and there are there are a number of uh, there there are some portions of that work that can be transferred over more easily, and some portions of that are going to take a little bit of time. Some are going to take some some some, some changes uh, at the state level in, in state law. But for the purposes of, of, of right now, what we were able to do was the Department of Transportation has opened a vehicle enforcement division of 13 people who are going to be responsible for responding to the abandoned autos, right? And that's going to, uh, not only is that going to free up millions of dollars that were spent having police do those same roles, uh, not only is it going to prevent having people with guns and badges going out for the simple task of of, of uh, of tagging for toads, abandoned autos, um, it it uh, uh, it also sends a message to the city of Oakland, right? That we're hoping to enter a period of time where we can look take a rational approach uh, to police spending, right? Because this area that we're talking about right now, this uh, removing police from this area of traffic and these 5,600 calls, this is just one of a laundry list of duties that APTP knows that, are, that can non-controversially be removed from, from law enforcement, right? We don't think anybody on the streets is saying, oh, no, we really need a badge and a gun to move abandoned autos. And there are a number of other categories that are like that that are still the responsibilities of OPD, like uh, 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 stray animals, 
is a responsibility that was held by OPD for years for no reason. And, and, and the reason, and well, not for no reason, right? The reason is that they want to keep as many calls for service on the books so they can have as many uh, 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 patrol hours to justify their massive, massive payroll and the amount of uh, staff that they require. So when we do something like take 5,600 calls for service away from OPD, right? We're basically saying that's, you know, about 13 officers, right? Officers who no longer need to be spending their hours doing this patrol, no longer need to be a part of this division, right? And if you calculate how much 13 officers cost within the Oakland Police Department, conservatively, conservatively, we're talking like $3.5 million a year, right? And then if you look at that, sorry, $3.8 million a year. And if you look at that $3.8 million, that's that's 1% of the Oakland Police Department's entire budget, right? And so that's what we're doing over here, right? To get the ball rolling is we're looking at these areas that seem innocuous, seem like they're no big deal, but are really taking up a lot of OPD time and a lot of taxpayer money, right? And if we start taking those back, start taking that money back, you know, it's, it's going to be really incredible the things that we see done with these dollars that are liberated, right? I think people don't understand how many dollars the police get and how few dollars community get, right? So when we liberate something like $3 million and bring it into community programs, just imagine what three community-based organizations could do with a million dollars a piece. Right. That's the dream. Not to that mention providing to live living wage jobs to Oaklanders, which is actually one of the one of the key indicators, right, of safe communities is folks that have living wage jobs and can pay their rent and have health care and buy healthy food, uh, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. And to and to fill out those departments, Department of Transportation, I mean, every almost every department but OPD is facing massive vacancies, which is one mm-hmm. of the uh, political agendas of Mayor Libby Schaaf. Right. Just gut every other department so you have enough money to make sure you can pay the cops. Right. And so now, you know, Mayor Tao, unfortunately, has the has the very difficult task of 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 writing the ship uh, when it comes to all of those dollars that have been misspent for years. But uh, this this enacting the vehicle enforcement division uh, and, and, and empowering the, 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 the Department of Transportation and the uh, IFPTE labor union to start taking back some of the work that's rightfully theirs uh, is a very exciting start. She does have the task of riding the ship. And I do think it's important because people are like, well, Libby Schaff is gone, right? Why, why aren't things fixed? And people really need to understand that the legacy of Libby and her lives and her investment in, in police officers instead of community, right? That legacy is very much still playing out on the streets of Oakland. And it will take some time in organizing and pressuring uh, Mayor Shang Tao by the people to right the ship accurately. And folks also should know that we are starting right now, right? Entering, walking into budget season. Um, and this is the time to get engaged and talk to your electors about what you actually want to see invested in. Okay, James, we've been talking about the local level, um, but there are things that have to happen at the state level in order to get cops out of traffic stops. Yes. What is the barrier at the state level? What needs to happen there um, to make this an actual reality on the streets of municipalities across California? It's uh, a great question, Kat. Uh, at the state level in the, uh, in the California vehicular code, uh, there are several clauses that say that uh, sworn officers or peace officers uh, shall enforce uh, the vehicle code, right? And what we uh, what it's understood for that to mean, well, well, long story short, because the language is written like that, 
you know, we believe alongside a lot of our comrades across the state that uh, a, a change would need to be made to that language to make clear, to make abundantly clear that local, uh, that local cities and counties um, could uh, appoint uh, any official to enforce those duties, right? Because without that clarity, um, it seems like it might only be uh, sworn officers who are able to engage in that duties. And, and in the law, that's what we call a preemption issue. If the state makes a plan, the cities aren't allowed to do anything that would suggest to go against that plan, right? And so as such, cities are reluctant to experiment on traffic until the state law is clear, right, that they are allowed to appoint different folks, to appoint DOT folks, Department of Transportation folks to do those traffic duties. And so um, those clauses would need to be changed in the vehicle code uh, for places like Oakland and other cities and counties to move forward with these alternative traffic enforcement models. Uh, you know, unfortunately, right, we had these tragic murders of, um, of Keenan in Los Angeles and Tyree in Memphis, which, right, I, I always take the opportunity to say, right, this is what American policing looks like every day in this country. We just don't hear all of the names. And this renewed uh, demand, right, happened not just locally, not just statewide, but at the national level. Um, of course, Black Lives Matter, uh, grassroots and APT people are like, here we go, right, time to move our legislation forward. Talk to us about what's happening at the state level. Any shenanigans there to report on and what actually needs to happen and what we are asking, what y'all are asking the people to actually do. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes, there are plenty of shenanigans, Kat. Uh, as always, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for, for bringing this up. Because, uh, um, because at the state legislature right now, fortunately for us, there is a bill, FB50, sponsored by Bradford, uh, sponsored by uh, Senator Bradford, that would uh, ostensibly, uh, no, not even just ostensibly, uh, that would um, engage the change that we talked about. It would make it so uh, it was clear that civilians could engage, that, that appointed civilians could engage in traffic enforcement. What it would also do was, uh, was take some extremely low-level pretextual stops um, and, make, uh, and, and make it uh, 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 and, and prohibit folks from being pulled over for those reasons, right? When we talk about pretextual stops, we're talking about stops where, where the cops know they're trying to pull you over because they're trying to, you know, uh, launch an investigation into criminal activity, but they use something wrong with your car as a pretext, like your blinkers out or your registrations out. And so there are uh, a number of different efforts here in California and across the country to uh, eliminate those stops. The, the the effort that Bradford's put forward, the language in SB 50 is a little conservative in terms of it doesn't, uh, uh, it, it doesn't, the list of stops is, 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 is rather short uh, that are included and there are many that are not included. But, but uh, I digress. What's important about the bill and what we're here to talk about today is the police out of traffic portion. And so uh, uh, um, uh, the anti-police terror project and Black Lives Matter grassroots, Black Lives Matter California, um, uh, as as the two organizations that are most central to this work uh, in the state uh, and have the deepest history of doing this work and the deepest history of, of, of uh, 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 oh, sorry, the most, probably the, the most successful history in recent years of pushing uh, radical policing bills across the desk and getting them signed, uh, we both asked Bradford to uh, co-sponsor this legislation. Uh, and, that, and the answer was a firm no, uh, is my understanding. <laughs> And so, uh, hmm, 
hmm, you say, <laughs> I say as well, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, uh, I haven't spoken to Bradford personally, uh, since this rejection, uh, 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 but what I know, uh, uh, and, and, and let me be clear. It's not, you know, we, 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 we made clear it wasn't just APTP and BLM California who believe that it's in the best interest of this bill or this legislation that we, uh, co-sponsor it. Uh, we talked to community partners up and down the state who all made clear to Bradford's office as well. Right. But the bottom line is if you're, if you're a Senator like Bradford, you know, teaming up with BLM and the anti-police terror project says a kind of thing. It says a thing to all the other legislators. It says that you are with the, uh, with the, you know, the, 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 uh, the radical black advocates or whatever, however they want to portray us at the Capitol, the anti-police folks, whatever they want to call us at the Capitol, they're with the people who you can't be with if you want to maintain good graces at the Capitol. And so I don't want to dig too far into speculation, but I know Bradford's terming out, right? And I know when the folks are leaving the legislature, they like to maintain good relationships across the board. And that's hard to do uh, if, you're, if your name is on what is being considered the most uh, aggressive anti policing or, or, or defund bill of the year. And so that's, and then the other, no, let me, let me, let me leave it right there for now. Let me leave it right there for now. Again, you know, it's, it's super clear to us as it is to advocates across the country that if you really wanted this bill to get passed with the language it currently has, you would sign on APTP and BLM and thank us uh, uh, for jumping on board. Right. And if you're not doing that, you know, the ulterior motive is, is, you know, is, is, is sinister at best. Uh, and that's where we find Bradford right now. So, you know, it's not, not too late to change your mind. Uh, uh, not too late to, you know, try to, try to uh, write the ship because, you know, as black movement folks, we're all stronger when we're moving together and, 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 and we can't, you know, ever let uh, our opposition divide us or, or we, need, we must try everything in our power to, to not let that happen. And, and that's what APTP has done and that's what BLM's done. And, and you hear in my voice right now, that's what we're still trying to do um, because we got work to do. Uh, and we got, and we got, you know, uh, millions of dollars in solutions to bring to the people, and we can't have, you know, uh, uh, legislators who who are interested in dividing the black community get in our way. That's right, and I do have to leave it there. But I just want to just go back to what you said at the beginning, right, of answering this question of mine that we've actually we actually get bills passed. Like that's actually what we do. And so if that's what he's actually interested in doing, and not actually being um. An interrupter, let's say, of getting this bill passed. You, you would think that he would want successful orgs on his team. All right, James Birch, I got to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me, Kat. Always appreciate it. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>